I realized that for many of you who don't regularly worship with us, it might feel kind of strange not to know what's coming. Uh, Pre-COVID, we would have something written that you could take a look at. Um, so we're coming towards the end of the long list. Um, I will read some scripture with you and talk about it for a while and pray, and then we'll have another song, and that'll be the end. So um, about a half an hour still, I think. I want to read with you today a passage from Acts 2. Acts 2 is the story of Pentecost, which is something we usually observe in the spring, May, or June, but it's a story that talks about the word all. We have a vision statement that many of you will recognize on our wall. We've been talking about it for a number of months. And one word in the vision statement that's repeated many times is the word all. But we haven't really, as a congregation, talked openly about what it means that all are invited, all are loved, all are shaped, and all are sent. So this fall, I'm taking a look at a few passages in scripture that talk about that word all. And to help us kind of understand and give more life to that vision statement. So today we come to Acts 2. And so I invite you to open a Bible if you've taken one or open it on your app um, and listen as I read this word from God. Holy Spirit, this passage, Acts 2, is actually the story of how you were given in fullness to the church. So now, as I read it and as I talk about it, help us all to listen well. Help me to speak clearly and to say only what you desire to be said. And I pray that as we listen, we will feel your nudging towards greater faith and hope and service in God's kingdom. Amen. So I will start reading at Acts 2, verse 14. This is the word of the Lord. Then Peter, who had just been filled with the Holy Spirit, stood up with the 11, the other 11 disciples. He raised his voice and he addressed to the crowd, fellow Jews, and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These people are not drunk, as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. And then he quotes from Joel in the Old Testament. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will see visions. Your, sorry, your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they will prophesy. I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Peter goes on to preach a sermon, but I will preach my own sermon on this little part. So this is the end of God's word for us for today. So I invite you to take another look at these two pictures, the picture of the kindled flame and the blazing campfire. 
And I invite you to think about how you're feeling these days, about church, about your walk with Christ right now. Which photo represents you better? Or maybe change that little kindling fire to a fire full of wet wood, smoking, hard to light. Are you feeling energized or discouraged? Thankful or upset? Or are you feeling like even that pilot light, that little kindling fire has gone out? You're bored. You don't really believe it anymore. Not just church, but actually Jesus too. Take a look with me at our five core practices as a congregation. The first one is spiritual transformation. Are you feeling like you're growing? Or do you feel like you're cold and hard, not warm at all? Inspiring worship to God is our second one. Are you thankful for where we are at this stage in the pandemic? Or are you just longing for what we could be? As we think about loving relationships, are you feeling secure and supported as I hope those babies did this morning? Or are you feeling on the margins? When I think about using our gifts for ministry, are you confident of your gifts, knowing that you're using them for God's glory in this church and elsewhere? Or are you not sure what they are? Thankful that we could start up some ministries like Journey Kids and Nursery and Youth Group this fall in person? Or are you feeling discouraged like some of us because we don't have enough people to lead our programs? We're still seeking an other elder to lead well. We'd love to have more leaders to grow our small group ministry, Home Church. And then we look at the last gift, the last core practice, mission based on need and assets. Are you actively sharing God's love or not so much? Are you proud of all our partnerships as a congregation with local organizations? Or are you fed up with how slow the church moves? How ineffective the church has been at caring for the poor? for creation, for those with disabilities, for those on the margins. We'd love to be on fire, rousing fire. But COVID and other reasons have made it tough. We feel fragile and at times touchy or just tired. When I look at the passage we read for today and specifically what we saw before Acts 2, I wonder whether the disciples had that same sort of wet wood feeling. They had just said goodbye to their leader. They had seen someone who they trusted betray their leader and end his life. They had been given a very dramatic, huge, strategic plan. Jesus had given them one long line. He said, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea, 
and to the ends of earth. Simple, but humongous. And what were they doing? They were gathering in an upper room, praying, finding another leader. But I wonder if they struggled with despair and discouragement, not exactly moving fast toward their strategic targets. They were waiting for a gift that Jesus had promised. And then just in the passage before we read, it happens. Suddenly there's a violent wind. Suddenly there are tongues of fire. And suddenly they all, all speak in different tongues to all the different nations who have gathered in the city of Jerusalem. All of them do even though they're from Galilee, which is not known for intelligence or academic prowess, certainly language skills. And then they do it. They begin to fulfill that strategic plan that God gave them, that Jesus gave them. They start witnessing in different languages to Jesus' death and ministry and resurrection, to everything that he has commanded them to teach. Some people think they're drunk. But Peter explains it to the crowd in the passage that we read today. He connects this strange, confounding event of speaking in different languages to the word of God spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. This is how God, Jesus' strategic plan is going to be fulfilled. The Holy Spirit in all people. Let me talk with you through the, one of the verses that Peter uses. He says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. And then he lists the type of people who will be given the Holy Spirit. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. In other words, we're talking about all genders, sons and daughters, we're talking about all ages, young men, old men, and everyone in between. Even on my servants, God says, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they will prophesy. Scholars suggest that because God says servants, this is an indication that it's not just gender and age, but class too, that is no longer a barrier to the receiving of the Holy Spirit. I found it intriguing as I looked at this passage that this passage from the prophet Joel doesn't even talk about nations, but we could see evidence in this story that because the disciples are filled with the spirit and speak in different languages, that nation and language and culture too is no longer a barrier for the filling of the Holy Spirit. So what does the Holy Spirit do for these people? That first day, Pentecost, we can read in Acts 2 that the Spirit helps them to speak in different languages. A miracle, the Spirit's work. And then Peter, who is a headstrong, uneducated fisherman from Galilee, he preaches a sermon that leads 3,000 people to accept the grace of Jesus. Also a miracle, also the Spirit's work, not Peter's. And then the rest of the book of Acts shows how the Spirit pushes people, the disciples, the apostles, to share the message of Jesus in Jerusalem, in Judea and Samaria, 
and to the edges of the known world, not only with Jews, such as Jesus was, but with Gentiles too, with other nations beyond the house of Israel. The other books of the New Testament say more about what the Holy Spirit does. When God fills someone with the Holy Spirit and puts them full into flame, full into a full blast, they can do so much. Our world belongs to God, which is a contemporary testimony of the Christian Reformed Church, puts it this way. We read through scripture that the Spirit renews our hearts and moves us to faith, leads us into truth, and helps us to pray, stands by us in our need, and makes our obedience fresh and vibrant. God, the Spirit lavishes gifts on the church in astonishing variety, prophecy, encouragement, healing, teaching, service, tongues, discernment, equipping each member to build up the body of Christ and to serve our neighbors. That is the good news of Acts 2 and of the whole New Testament about who the Holy Spirit is and what God accomplishes through that third member of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit. We confess, too, that just like those disciples who were wet wood lit on fire on Pentecost, we receive the gift of the Holy Spirit through God's grace. God pours out his Holy Spirit on us, too. The Spirit fills our hearts. He moves among us, lighting us on fire. The pilot light may be smoldering, but it's never died. The kindling is still able to be lit. So we confess that God has poured out his spirit on all nations, all genders, all ages here in Faith Church. And so when we look again at our core practices, we know that the spirit wants nothing more than to enliven us enliven in us spiritual transformation, worship that blesses God and inspires us. He desires to give us a deeper relationship with him, but also deeper loving relationships with one another. The spirit wants nothing more than to fan our gifts for ministry so that we can use them full-blown in God's kingdom. And he desires to propel us into the world to share Jesus' love. So if you're feeling like wet wood today, hear this good news. God has poured out his spirit on you. Allow yourself to experience the spirit's warmth. Allow the spirit to dance with you in a way that empowers you and encourages you and enlivens these core practices of faith. I say this to Faith Church, but this really is true for any of you who are in a faith community. As we navigate the uncertainties of church in 2021, let us seek out the work of the Holy Spirit in one another. This baptism ceremony reminds us that the Holy Spirit is given to babies and does not leave babies as they grow into children 
into young adults and parents, into adults and professionals, into empty nesters and senior citizens, and even our most elderly. The Holy Spirit does not leave us. A baptismal ceremony also reminds us that we all have a part to play in fanning that spirit pilot light into flame. We journey together. And our support, the support that we promised Aaron and Levi and Sadie this morning, it doesn't have an expiry date. What we said this morning to these little ones is equally true for those in their 80s and 90s among us. We are still called to support one another. Baptism specifically reminds us that we are a congregation with many generations, babies, parents, grandparents, and even great-grandparents. So in these last couple of minutes, as we think about how to put legs onto this idea of fanning the Spirit's work into flame, I want to think a little bit about that idea of young men and old men. Peter reminds us that when the Spirit is present, your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. So are we asking about the visions of our youth? Are we listening to the dreams of our older folks? The tech team has already shown you this demographic that I wanted to show you right now. So this graph is not completely up to date. It's not completely accurate, but this is our best guess at this point. This is who Faith Church is according to decade. So the top is zero to 10 and the bottom is 81 to 90. So you can see that we're actually a very robust demographically congregation with a number of people in every decade. If anything, we're on the young side. We, we take pride in that, but we are continuing to get older. So it's good to see that we continue ha to have young ones. Take a look at this next cool graphic that Ashley helped me with. I'm sorry, the coloring is not um, maybe the best for a big screen like this. This is us by generation. We haven't included the youngest generation, which I had to look up. The ones born in the last 10 years are Gen Alpha. But you can see we have a few from the post-war generation. And then boomers, 19%, Gen X, 24%, and millennials, 20%. We're pretty well divided in those categories. Oh, I didn't say Gen Z. That one's actually our largest one, 34%. Wow. So we more than half of our congregation is millennials and Gen Z. I share that with you because I want to ask you, how are we nurturing the spirit in all of these generations? Do we see the gifts of the spirit at work in our congregation from all of these generations? How are we benefiting from what the spirit offers in all these generations? Here's a question that I've been wondering about. Might it be that the spirit will be fanned into flame fully at Faith Church only when we fully seek out the Holy Spirit in all our members 
both young and old. What might God do if we are intentional about nurturing the Spirit's gifts in our young and our old? I have some great examples of how this is happening. And I hope that these examples will nurture your imagination and your conversations with your small groups about how we could continue to grow this. And then I'll be done. So when I think again about our core practices, I think first of spiritual transformation. We have prayer partners, adults in their later years, at least out of university, for every college and university student who wants one, and a mentor for every young adult who's interested. We have a faith-walking discipleship group starting up that has people in their 40s through their 70s. But our children's ministries are not well-staffed at this time. We desire inspiring worship. And because of COVID, we have had so many new young people join us here on the platform and also working behind the scenes with our tech team. I wonder if young people might also be able to help shape our vision for what worship could look like, make some of our decisions. We desire loving relationships. Some of our home churches are intentionally engaging people in different age groups to create intergenerational bonds, families getting together, people with young children, older members gathering together. But how often do we have a solid conversation with someone who is much younger or much older than us? We desire gift-based ministry. Our adult youth group leaders are intentionally pouring into a number of senior teens to help them develop as leaders. But I lament that we have no millennials on our elder team. And what can Gen Z contribute to our planning and visioning and leading. I wonder too, how many seniors are actively using their gifts in our congregation and how we could nurture that even further. And then finally, we desire to be involved in mission. Our deacon team, who you see on the platform every week praying for our offering, is composed of three generations, Boomer, Gen X, and Millennial. They are leading us in compassion to our community. Service worship, which we do twice a year on a Sunday morning, has great participation from a wide range of ages. This summer, we supported the SoCo Beach Project, which disciples young adults in Port Dover. One of the biggest fans from our congregation was a grandma who knows what sort of... uh, in a transformation that project could have in someone's life. But how can we gather the energy and the passion of our youth even further in our mission work? I'll leave you with those questions and those examples. And I pray that as we navigate this uncertain time, that we will continue to seek out and fan into flame the Holy Spirit among us and in us all. Let's pray. Gracious, triune God, 
the one who has created us, the one who died and rose for us, the one who lives within us to fan our faith, to empower us, to encourage us and unify us. We pray for your blessing on all we have seen and heard today. Guide us as a congregation, but even those who are visiting with us, guide them too in their own walks with you. We pray that we will give you honor and glory throughout all generations. Amen. Would you please rise? And I will give you a final word from God before we sing a similar final word from God. Receive God's blessing. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. Lord, turn his face towards you and give you peace. Amen.